1: Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit DoItForYouMC.org. Hey,
0: everyone. Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the U.K.
1: Hello, Rush Nation, and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. As usual, I am your host Liam, or at the FSA tweets on Twitter, and as usual, I'm joined by my lovely co-host Rich at Dynasty Island on Twitter. So let's dive straight in. Rich, how are you doing? How has your week been? Um, I'm very good. We've had a busy week.
0: Yeah, I've I've been promoted to lovely this week, so I'll I'll take that as a win. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's been somewhat crazy, isn't it? We've been a bit mad with uk ffc stuff um and yeah everybody bar i think two people are in their UKFC ffc live draft divisions now one one of those two people being your dad liam so i hope you've you've had a word this evening
1: i thought he joined earlier today so
0: oh, okay um, I'll, I'll let him off then yeah i think there's, there's two roasting more. my dad that's nice yeah that's that's <laughs> start, start the show off right um but yeah, there's there's a couple more that are, are yet to join. So um so yeah, hopefully by a closer play today, we should uh, we should all be set for what was it? I think you said 18 days left. It's, it feels like it's all getting very real. Today, yeah. yeah. 18 days today, which is crazy. Um, if
1: you have no idea what we're on about, the UK FFC is an event for the UK fantasy football community to come together. Um If you want more information, go find us at underscore UKFFC on Twitter. All the information is on there. You can buy your ticket on there as well. If you buy your ticket, you also get to join in in this live draft that we're on about. There's about 80 um, spots, so there are some tickets available still. And you get to join in with all the fun there. But Rich, let's dive straight into the show we've got. I say this every week, but... We just like to jam-pack our shows with information. So this week, we're going to be talking about auction drafts now. Earlier, uh, or late last week, I released an article. Um, I mean, it was released a few days before I'd actually posted it on Twitter. I just didn't get around to posting it myself. Um, and that was about why I think auction drafts are going to become the new trends. So if you're on Fancy Football Twitter, the rage, the, 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 the whole kind of um trend at the moment is super flex and i think the next thing that's coming in is going to be auction drafts and that's what we're going to be speaking about today so rich um we're going to be talking about everything that we can possibly talk about around an auction draft so what it is the prep that we do and what happens during the auction draft what we're looking at so an intro of auction drafts is think of it kind of like ebay where you get to nominate a player and then everyone in your league gets to bid on said player. Kind of like eBay with maybe less sniping unless you play on a sleep league and you haven't made a rule so people can't just snipe the best player for $5 or something like that. Um, So every person in your league gets to nominate a player one by one. Um, If you're doing a slow auction, you can have 10, 12 nominations running at the same time. Um, you can also do blind auctions which me and rich have um just finished one in a salary cap league where um you have we had 10 selections or nominations and then you put your best bid in and whoever comes out on top at the end of the deadline um then gets said player so it's all about money it's all about um managing your budget and not spending all of it straight away or on the flip side of that, not spending it all, uh, it at all. So enough talking about what it is, Rich. I'm going to throw it over to you to talk about what you do with your draft prep for auction leagues, because it's slightly different to snake drafts, isn't it?
0: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, sorry. So for me, I think that I much prefer playing in auctions. I think you can sit here and talk about all the ins and outs and reasons why. For me, the big reason is... In a snake draft, you know, we're, we're in a startup at the moment, Liam, where I said this first round is incredibly chalk and it, and it feels like your draft spot basically dictates what play you get. And, you know, we've done a few startups this, this year and they've all pretty much, without, within maybe one or two exceptions, have all the first 15, 20 picks gone exactly as you'd expect. And and depending on where you're you're picking means you know if you if you draw the 12 draft spot and a snake in a superflex league you know you've got no chance at Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes unless you want to massively overpay to trade up and get them. Whereas in an auction you it is a complete level playing field. You have got open opportunity to land every single player in the league. And to me, I think it's far superior largely because of that. Um so for me shockingly i'm sure um you for you liam and and some of the listeners i i kind of go into over prep mode when it comes to auctions i think there's there's three things that i think you really need to do you know if, if you're going to go into a snake draft you can pretty much get by as long as you've got a competent set of rankings or or even no rankings and just draft off adp i think for me going into an auction you need three things set up you need tiers not rankings you need a budget and then you need player values okay do you do you agree that those are the kind of three things that you'd set up as well
1: yes so i i'm very much similar in that aspect the one thing i will say is if i have two players within a tier and they are slightly different it's say one's uh fifty dollars one's at forty eight dollars in my values but they're in the same tier. I don't mind overpaying slightly for that $48 to go up to the 50 if I miss out on the the, the higher-valued player in that aspect. Um, I think that's the, the whole thing I like about auctions is not only is it a level playing field, but you can build your roster in so many different ways. Um, and if you do decide to skip out on a player early because you think he's going too high but you have someone similar in that similar tier that you can basically bid what you would have bid on the other one and still come out with the same roster you were kind of expecting it's just slightly different player in the same tier
0: yeah yeah pretty much so for to cover off i guess let's let's walk through these points maybe one at a time liam so you you've covered off tiers quite nicely there obviously tiers basically what we're saying is it's a list of rankings but You've got a group of players, maybe, you know, your running back tiers is, you've got Jonathan Taylor as your tier one, but then you've got your tier two, for me, could be John J. Swift, Najee Harris, Brees Hall, and they're all in a tier. And basically you're saying that those second set of three are similar in value and therefore, in theory, should go similar values in, in kind of the auction. Um, budgeting. Now, this for me is absolutely crucial. And I think this is where people fall down most in auction drafts for me what i do is i will budget what i want to spend on every roster spot before an auction a couple of things i will do what i will start with is i will start with 10 percent of my budget unassigned because i think it's really critical that in the first whether it's a fast auction, half an hour, whether it's a slow auction, you know, the first couple of days, you have a little bit of leeway to move things around. I think that I would then go through my roster spot and work out how many bench roster spots I'm comfortable assigning to a $1 player, for example, or, you know, if you can get a $0 player, then great. Most draft formats don't allow that. That will then give me a remaining pool and I will basically work through what I consider the most valuable positions and try and assign my the remaining budget for that position so you know if it's a $200 budget maybe I'm assigning $50 to QB1 $50 to QB2 and then $30 to wide receiver 1 that means I've spent 130 of my dollars on three players But that then means I've got 70 for the rest of my roster. And I think this is a really good way of you trying to balance out to see what happens if you overspend, you've kind of got to account for it elsewhere. Do you set up in a similar way when it comes to kind of budgeting for an auction?
1: Yeah, I wish I did it in a slightly different way so I could explain that, but no, it's the exact same way. And, um, I think with that method, it really, as you said, shows you that if you have overspent somewhere, you've got to recoup that somewhere else. And vice versa, if you underspend on getting your QB1, then you can overspend somewhere else. And, but the issue with this method is that by doing this, you are kind of shoehorning yourself into certain positions. To so say, Rich, that you want to, in a $200 budget auction you want to spend, I don't know, I'm, I'm going off the top of my head, so these values may not be correct, but you go over, say, a, a $90 quarterback. That could be one of the top elite assets. But if you miss out on all of those top elite assets, then you're going to be getting someone else. And that doesn't mean necessarily that, just because you budgeted 90 there doesn't mean you spend 90 on that player. You've got to lower that budget and then... It, Try and go for another, a better asset elsewhere to what you budgeted. Just because you've budgeted a certain amount at each position doesn't mean that's what you've got to spend, regardless of who the player is. And that's a big balancing act that I know a lot of people do struggle with because even though there's the budget there, you've also got your player values you've got to play on all the way through the draft. And every draft's different. That's, I'm yeah. sure we'll come on to that in a minute, but. <laughs> every draft has its different values. Some drafts will not value your wide top 24 wide receivers in a normal manner. It might be that your top five elite guys are much more valued compared to other guys like your, your lower remaining wide receiver 19 group in that group. So without going too much into that part, Um, budgeting wise that is how I do it but you've always got to take into account those player values as well
0: yeah I think I think that's key isn't it we talk about a budget it is a movable budget it's not a fixed budget and I think that's the the key piece that I would say to anyone going in an auction draft is have your budget but make sure you're adjusting that budget live you know if you're getting a player undervalued great that means you've got more money to spend elsewhere but assign it in your budget if you overspend somewhere you need to then take that money from another position that you've adopted. If you've assigned $50 to a quarterback and the first 10 quarterbacks all go for $60 say, and you're like, I don't want to spend $50 on a QB two. Then, then that's fine. Drop down to, you know, $40 budget in that quarterback. Don't overspend for an average player, which I think brings us quite nicely onto the, the player values piece. And I think that, you know that that is critical, and and to me, the player values help me set a budget. So, how do you go about, Liam, assigning your kind of player values within your rankings and tiers? So, with me, I tend to look at the
1: rosters that I prefer in terms of if I look at my player values and I'm and looking at my budget. Am I more inclined to have a truly elite quarterback one, so like a Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, someone in that top five tier, and then have a an okay QB2 with upside or something along those lines? Or do I really want two very equal quarterback one and quarterback two, someone like, a, um, I suppose, like an Aaron Rodgers and a Matthew Stafford, Which one am I more comfortable with? The same goes for wide receivers. Am I more comfortable in having multiple wide receiver twos with upside? Or am I more inclined to go for that elite wide receiver one? And then someone like a a DJ Moore that is, or a Terry McLaurin that is kind of more like a consistent wide receiver two. Because even though those two players, when combined, will make the same as multiple wide receiver ones with upside, kind of like a T Higgins, a Pittman at the moment, someone like that. If you combine those two sets of players together, in value-wise, they're probably about the same, but which side am I more comfortable with? And personally, I'm more comfortable with the two, uh, like a T Higgins and a Pittman, that have the upside of being in that top 12, but also aren't just going to be a consistent, or in my opinion, don't think that they're going to be a consistent wide receiver too and, and I build my entire roster and my entire budget around that and then when I come to my player values that's when I can really look at who I prefer in those roles so the upside roles the the consistent
0: so how, players and stuff like that how do you go about assigning you know you've got a 200 budget how do you decide what Josh Allen his budget his his value should be do you do you go budget i've got so, forty dollars for a qb1 or do you say in my josh allen's worth 42 Patrick mahomes is worth 41 joe is worth 35 like how, how do you work that out as such so
1: i know it's slightly different for you because you already have trade values in your dynasty survival kit which um if you can't find it go find rich on twitter and dm him he'll send you the link Um, and it's so it's easier for you because you've already got those values down but for people that don't especially if they don't have rankings themselves go to places like fantasy pros where you can find some um auction um like rankings and values themselves i know that i'd assume that dlf have something similar rich so yeah they've got
0: a startup auction tool which will um produce values for you so a, a lot of
1: people have them if they don't then you can even go to a trade calculator and go, kind of do some backwards engineering on that if you really want to go down that route and um, me personally i have my rankings and then from my rankings i'll kind of look at um the tier breaks and i'll tend to build those tiers so if i've got like the example you used earlier rich with Um, Jonathan Taylor will be considerably higher than, or value considerably higher, but then you'll have DeAndre Swift, uh, Najee Harris, Brees Hall, Javante Williams, if you want to put him in that tier all similarly, um, valued, but slightly lower than that top value. Um, it really does come down to the, um, the, the budget of the auction, because I did a $500 startup auction, um, And that really changed a lot of values because I find people are a lot more spend happy in higher budget, um, higher budget um, drafts because they see the the money and they're like, Oh, I can use all of this and then don't realize how that plays into a budget. Whereas if someone's in a 200 or even a $100 um, budget, then they tend not to spend as much early, but, going back to your original point of how do I assign player values? It comes down to rankings mostly. And I also look at the type of team that I want to build beforehand. So even though I always say go in flexible, don't always go in with a a strategy behind your team. So if you want, as as I said earlier, an elite quarterback uh, one, and then a lesser quarterback two, or whether you want two closer together, I think you've kind of got to do that in an auction, but you can still be flexible within that because you can still move to the other other side of it if the value is there. But I kind of build it around that. So if I want a truly elite quarterback one and a lower quarterback two, I'll see a bigger gap between those two assets because I kind of assume that the elite asset is going to be costed and budgeted for a lot more to make sure I get them. If I want to go for the two middling options around like an Aaron Rodgers and Matthew Stafford, then you kind of look at more of a linear um, value. So you don't kind of think of it like a bell curve, I suppose. So your elite assets tend to like kind of go up like this. I'm sorry for audio listeners. I cannot explain this. I don't know whether Rich is going to be able to when I pass it over, but you kind of like see a, a curve upwards. But if um, you want to more middling assets, you kind of see more of a general gradient slide. Rich, I'm going to pass it over to you because I just feel like I've talked and not really said much. Um, how do <laughs> you like... turn your player values around? Because I know that you already have your trade values.
0: Yeah, so I mean, I I cheat slightly. Well, not cheat, but I've, I've done the work for mine But yeah, <laughs> I I have my all of my trade values that... I have a formula that basically I can turn my trade values into a an auction value, depending on size of league, roster spots, that kind of thing. But I've, I just want to kind of walk through a couple of tips for the listeners in terms of how to create your player values. So as a general rule of thumb, okay, this is not an exact science. A first round pick so those elite quarterbacks let's say an early first round pick you're generally talking about 20 percent of a budget for one of those so if you can think of you know in a super flex auction 200 budget you're generally talking josh allen patrick mahomes you know justin herbert are about 20 percent of your budget on that type of player okay so that gives you a rough on the maximum you should spend on on any kind of player But the key thing for me is I think you need to assign a player value to every player that you feel is rosterable in this format. So let's take a fairly standard league. So 12 teams, 25 roster spots. Okay? So that is 300 players. So you need to make sure your rankings are 300 players long. If you've got 300 players long... You need to assign a value to every player in that league in that top 300, and the total value should equal the budget for the league. So, if you've got 12 teams, each with 200 roster spots, that means you've got $2,400 to spend. So, your 300 players should equal $2,400. Okay if you are assigning values to players and they don't equal 2,400 or whatever your kind of league budget is, to me that shows that you're either going to end up overvaluing all of the players or undervaluing the players. I think if you can assign a specific value to every player and it equals the total league budget, even if you, you know, your values are wrong, you will be able to ascertain roughly where good value and bad value is within those rosters and within the, the the auction if yes it will take a bit of time to work through that top 300 and assign value but i think it it, it is really worthwhile process being done um as liam said you know if, if you're not confident with assigning values i'm, I'm happy to share mine there's Plenty of other places all around that will be able to uh, to do that. Um, once you've got those those values as such, um, you you I think the values help to dictate your budget. So where we're talking about assigning forty dollars to a quarterback one or whatever, if you're not assigning Patch Mahomes, Justin Herbert, that kind of thing, that sort of value, that probably means you're you're slightly skewed. Um, but I also think that those values need to be slightly flexible. You know, if you're sitting there saying, right, I'm going to assign the elite quarterbacks a, a $30 value, but they all go in the first round of bids for 50 $60, that means that your numbers are slightly skewed. So you can adjust your player values for, you know, those elite guys. Make them, a you know, this is actually what they were, the, the price was that they went for. And then as long as you keep your total budget there as the total budget for the league, you will then be able to have a live, more accurate depiction of exactly what player value should be. So I think that's my key thing is get a set of rankings, break them into tiers, make sure you assign player values, make sure the player values add up to the league budget and then make sure you're budgeting for your team off the back of those player values. Is there anything else, Liam, that you think you would want to add in that sort of initial prep stage before you go live into an auction as such? Sorry, my internet keeps dropping out. Um, You were asking about... I said, is there anything else you think that you'd need to prepare for the draft before we kick things off no i th- I think you've covered
1: everything pretty well there um i think prep wise i think you've, we've covered everything the only thing i will say is be confident in your prep like as rich said he goes into over prep mode um especially when it comes to auctions but be confident in what you do as your prep because not everyone does the same thing, and not everyone is right. So, if you assume that you're wrong immediately, you're probably going to make some more panicky moves. If, for whatever reason, um, you end up panicking, then that's probably where people will take advantage of you in those drafts, and you're sort overplaying for player, overpaying for players, but. That is kind of coming on to the next segment, which is during the draft, how you react. So
0: before before we dive into the during the draft, can I just give two I guess big tips but yep, massive bugbears that I think are key to remember for any auction? Okay. So if you are in a live auction, okay whether that be slow, whether that be fast, something that there is a continuous bid. And by this, I mean not basically a blind auction. Two things I think you should do, and well, one thing you should do and one thing you should never do. The first thing you should do is throw out players in terms of your nominations, nominate players that you think you are lower than consensus on, but are high value. Because what you want to do early is try to eliminate as much budget from your competitors as possible. But you want to essentially throw out players that you think will get overbid and overpaid compared to your values. So if there's a player, you know, an elite player that you're slightly lower than consensus on. So I feel like I always hate on this guy. But for example, he's only in my mind because he's just signed a new contract. But Terry McLaurin. That's always a guy that I'm going to throw out early. Same with Stephon Diggs because I'm a lot lower than consensus on those guys, but I know that somebody in my leagues are going to like those two players, so I'm going to throw them out early. The seconds do not ever do is try and bid up on a player. Okay, never bid one dollar on a player that you are not willing to win. Okay, so if you are I don't know. Say Patrick Mahomes is is on currently currently on the clock for fifty dollars. You value him at fifty. You've budged him at fifty. Someone's going to win him at fifty. Personally, and Liam's shaking his head here, so maybe Liam disagrees. I am never ever ever clicking bid on fifty one dollars because I think that is bad practice. You then get into a position where you're overpaying. For a player, whereas if you waited and were patient, you could get a similar player for a cheaper price. And all you're doing is trying to raise up the price for a competitor, but they could be doing the same thing to you. And as soon as you click bid, you're like, right, I'm going to bid him up. He really likes this guy. He could just stop bidding. And then you're left overpaying for a guy. Yes, you've got potentially a great player, but. Do not assign a bid for anybody on it one dollar more than you are willing to pay. Do you disagree? I, no, I agree. When you got through the
1: full thing, I was disagreeing with the way that you explained it to start with. Um, because if the player is currently lower than you're willing to play, uh, that you're willing to pay, then always bid plus one. I, oh, yeah, I, I yeah, will yeah. always do that. But as soon as they hit that budget that you've already assigned to that player or that player value, then I'm not touching them again. There are a few, and I mean a few tiny exceptions, and I tend to do this in leagues where I know certain people rather than in leagues where I don't know anyone. And that is where I know that people like players more than I do. So I always pick on him because... Is a great laugh, but Paul Picken with Elijah Mitchell, I would bid him up a little bit more than I would be willing to pay for because I know that Paul would want him more.
0: But then there's only
1: reason I'd do it. But then there's the
0: one draft, the one draft that you do, and he'll be like, "Yeah, I'm I'm not going to take Elijah Mitchell this draft," and then you end up overpaying for a player that you don't want. But I think it really
1: comes down to your player values. And this is what I mean about knowing the person that you're trying to bid up. Because if I do that to Paul, I know that Paul in his rankings has Elijah Mitchell at least seven spots higher than I do. So I know that regardless of what my bid is, if I'm two or three above what I'm putting in or what I've budgeted or valued Elijah Mitchell on, I know that Paul will always pay that. But what happens I'm not if it's going the one drop. into one five, drop. six?
0: The one draft where he turns around is like, "I've got enough for larger Mitchell shares. I don't want any more. I'm not going right. to bid on a larger Mitchell." And then you're okay. ending up paying three dollars more than you want for a larger Mitchell, and you've just assigned, you've just wasted three dollars and got a player that you don't particularly want. Again, I I understand your point, but I'm talking
1: about a person that I know, and I know that Paul <laughs> doesn't think like that. Sorry, Paul. I feel like I'm ripping on you, but I'm not. I promise. <laughs> but. <laughs> I know that Paul will want Elijah Mitchell at a value. If I consider that as his max value, I know that Paul will want or will have assigned him a tiny bit more than I have. Okay. I'm not saying go crazy with it and go $10 more in a twenty a $200 budget, but I'm saying if I know the person, I will do it. In other, if I don't know the person, never played in a league with them, then no, I'm, I'm, sticking to my my uh, values and
0: not going any higher than that okay so now now we've done those two tips let's dive into actually what happens whilst you're you're live whilst the blood's pumping and you're actually in the auction so yeah as you said rich um
1: we, we've hinted at them um throughout that first segment but we'll start and we'll go straight into uh, how to react to certain situations. And we've spoken, and as I said, we've hinted at both situations, but we'll start with if you win too many players early. Now, in auction drafts, in everyone I've been in, I have seen someone win too many players too early. And it happens. I don't know about you, Rich, but in everyone I've been in, I have noticed that someone always does it, even if it's just that single one team, Someone comes out with three or four elite assets and then has overspent and doesn't really have the budget to fill out their starting lineup properly, let alone a full roster. Now, in that situation, Rich, how do you react to that? If you end up being that person now, as as you've already mentioned, you don't overpay for players. But if someone doesn't necessarily stick to their values that they put on players, and they do end up going a bit over budget. How do you react to that situation, or how would you react to that situation?
0: Yeah, so I think the, the key thing is is that hopefully, if you've done the prep, you should never be in this situation because if you've done your budget, if you signed your player values, if you're winning players, you know you could win four or five players early, but if they're budgeted correctly. You should be thinking happy days. I'm getting elite players early in the auction within my budget. I'm gonna have an f- incredible team. If, as you said, Liam, you've perhaps not done your prep or you know the blood's blood rush to the head and you've overbid on players and perhaps got guys that you know you've you've ended up overpaying for and blown budgets, I think you almost need to stop and almost reassess and start that process again so you then need to go back and look at your budget you need to rebudget every single position within your roster you need to assign new player values and where you've overspent and i think this is where you know we 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 talked about the the tracking and adjusting budgets but also player values live Something I have that's that's fantastic, well, I say it's fantastic, I think it's fantastic because I did it, but I have basically a live plus or minus as terms of my player value versus what the player went for. So I can see who overspent, who underspent, what were good values, and then I'll break that down as, as a percentage of, you know, whether they were 10% overspent or 10% underspent of things. And that allows me to track where the league is as a budget, where certain rosters are. And and I think that if you overspend early and break your budget early, you then need to completely restart that whole player value piece and and almost start it as a new auction and say, right, I've only got a $50 budget and I've now got to assign 15 roster spots. How the hell am I going to do this? And almost start again. Because I think that if you just try to carry on swinging in the dark and and kind of, just try and luck your way through it. All you're going to end up is with three or four studs and then a bunch of $1 replacement options.
1: Yeah, um, I did the exact same in the silent auction that we did, Rich. So um, although I've never been in this situation because I am much more um, cautious with my money, I'm risk averse in Dynasty in general and in fantasy football in general, um so that is never something that i get into um but in the silent auction we did i won no players i think i was maybe the second to last if not the last person to actually win a player um, because i was taking the first three to four rounds of nominations um and putting them into my spreadsheet of okay how how often my rank or how often my values compared to the leagues and what is it going to look like in five, six rounds time and kind of figure out and try and predict the future. And I think that's my biggest tip in auction, although it's not necessarily relevant to what we're talking about in this question right now is I tend to take a sit back and, um, kind of relax for the first, at least 12 nominations in a in or the first round of nominations So if it's 12 team league first 12 um, and I will see what the player values look like and um, that doesn't necessarily mean I don't bid that I have won players in the first 12 and that tends to be if I think someone is ridiculously low valued um, but I tend to try and sit back as much as I can and try and figure out what player values mean to people at the moment Um, But coming back to this specific point, if you do win too many many players too early, then like Rich said, it all comes down to your readjustment and your prep because if you try and wing it, you aren't going to be able to recover from that situation.
0: Yeah, I I think the other thing, you're hitting it with regards to nominations. I think if you go big and go early and and blow a load of budget on some some high-profile guys what i'd start doing is i'd work down my player values and identify some guys that i like that perhaps i've assigned two or three dollar bids and i'd start throwing those out as my nominations in the hope that i can get them for maybe a dollar or or things like that and i'd start trying to almost fill out the end of my bench and Every player that I can sort of fill on my bench then allows me a little bit more confidence on on spending on those remaining starters. And I'd almost try and inverse fill my roster. I've got my studs right now. I'm going to fill out my bench. And through that process, yes, I will try and fill out my starters if the value comes up. But for my nominations, I'm going cheap. I think that's a very interesting concept and I've never
1: really thought about it, but that is only a win-win situation. You're either getting players cheaper than than you possibly um, budgeted for. So if you are throwing those 2 $3 players out and you're getting them for a, a smaller amount, maybe $1, because no one wants to spend that early, then that that's brilliant. You, you're inverse filling your roster, as you said. On the flip side to that, I think while people have money and it, especially if people haven't done the same prep or or a more thorough prep process they're going to bid a little bit more than you and even though yeah it might be what four five dollars in in terms of like a bench spot that is a lot to put on a bench spot that you maybe had budgeted at around two to three dollars it may not seem like a lot but i think it's only a win-win situation there because you're either getting people to overpay or you're probably getting them for uh, around your budget if not a little bit less i don't think there's that middle ground of getting them bang on
0: yeah and and this is where you know we talked about with my spreadsheet i have the the plus minus in terms of a a dollar value but i have that percentage value as well because i think that is so important you know a one dollar overspend on Patrick Mahomes, who costs fifty dollars, for example, that that's that's not that much. But a one dollar overspend on an end of bench roster player that, that you should be spending one dollar on, and are spending two on, that's a massive overspend. So if you start throwing out those cheaper guys, and you start either, as you said, getting some great values, or churning bench roster spots at higher values, you know, if you're spending three, four, five dollars on a two hundred dollar budget that guy should probably be in flex conversation with you. And if you're throwing out some really cheap guys, that means that that person's assigning essentially flex value to a guy that should be a bench spot. And um, I think it's a, a, a nice, easy way to, as I said, either get great values or churn other people's roster spots. So flipping it on its head then, Liam, you hinted at it earlier with the the auction bid, uh, the slow auction, blind auction that we've been doing. How do you react if, you know, the first two, three rounds of, of auction have gone past and, and you've literally not won anyone? You're sitting there thinking, have I got my values completely wrong because I've won nothing?
1: So this comes down to two separate factors. And I'll, I'll speak to, speak to them separately, but I'll go through them now. So the first one is looking at your own player values compared to what other people have done so as you said rich if you've got your plus or minus i call it an over under i'm pretty sure they 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 are the exact same thing just different names but i look at the over unders against my values and i'm trying to figure out how far over or under i'm looking at and in this situation how far under my values are compared to what they're going at now that's only part of the equation the second part is how much of the budget of the league has been spent. Because if people are paying $10 over a player that you've got budgeted, that could be the actual value that you should have assigned to that player for this league, because every league has a different value scale. But if people are spending that $10 over, but then in terms of the, the league's budget aren't going to be able to fill out a full lineup it properly, then you start to look at actually my values are right. It's just people are trying to overspend elite on elite assets. Now, if we go back to the silent auction that we've been doing rich, um, we spoke about it during the draft um, very briefly because I was not panicking, but I was kind of thinking, well, because we were both in a very similar situation i think you actually won a player maybe a round or two before i did um but i was kind of like my player values really that off and then i i remember you putting in the in the um sleeper chat that the the amount of roster spots that had gone was something like 20 but then the amount of league spend was about 35 percent of budget No, it was more than
0: that. It was like 50. It was like 50 or or 60 percent of budget for like 15% of roster spots. It was obscene the amount of money that went early.
1: But that was kind of what I was looking at. I just kind of didn't put it in those terms to start with. And you need to figure out whether your values are completely off compared to how much has been spent and how much is left to as a as a league, how much is left to be spent or whether your elite asset values aren't high enough. And it this is where a prediction comes into it. And um, you need to kind of figure out where that drop-off is going to be, where your values, your value line is going to become higher and where the, the league value line drops below your line. So you start winning players again. And, I'm assuming you do it in a very similar way rich because of the way that we've both spoken about this both on this episode and outside of this but if you match those and you notice that um the league is overspending on these elite assets and not going to be able to fill out a proper roster or a decent enough roster to compete then you can wait and try and pick up guys later on so um in the the silent auction that we did I waited and ended up picking up some other guys like garrett wilson and Juju smith schuster and bateman and, and guys that i liked and i knew that i would like a little bit more than the rest but they were in round seven eight maybe even later than that where i knew that loads of people had overspent and i had a bit more of the budget so i could end up kind of like recouping that value and as i said earlier it kind of comes down to how you prefer your rosters, because if you like that elite, elite asset at the start, and then a lesser asset um, as your QB two in, in a quarterback aspect, or whether you want two kind of edge QB ones, then that kind of it. I, I would expect anyway, rich that that kind of mentality will decide where your, your um, problems are going to lie. And Most likely which question of the past two that we've spoken about, you're going to take more on because if you like that at least asset, you're probably more going to be along the lines of overspending early. Whereas if you like the the two similar assets together, then you're probably not spending as much and trying not to panic like I've just mentioned.
0: Yeah, and I think this, this comes down to two things for me. I think if you're not winning players, it's it's how much do you trust your values and your budget and your ranks and have you done the prep in terms of working out the rest of the league's budget and, and assign those player values correctly? And I think the difference and, and we talked about this during that that auction draft is that I probably value elite players slightly higher than than average. And I think that for me, you know, I'm just looking at my, my values. Now I've got roughly speaking, Tyreek Hill and Michael Pittman, who are both kind of fringe wide receiver ones equal Justin Jefferson to me. So in an auction league, you know, if, if Justin Jefferson's going for 50 and Tyreek Hill and Michael Pittman are going for 30, I would much rather have Justin Jefferson at 50 than those two receivers at 50 and i think that's it is that i have quite you talked about the, um, the graph. um yeah the exponential graph in terms of how it drops and and i guess for me my kind of exponential curve is is very steep initially because i value those elite players as a lot more than the kind of tier two to tier three guys so This comes back to if you've done the prep, if you assign those values correctly, then, you know, and, and you don't need to be scared necessarily about values, because it doesn't matter what values you assign, you know, you could literally walk down and go 50, 49, 48, 47, and work your way down players, you know, as long as you're assigning a value, all that means is at the end of the day there will come a point in the auction where you are getting values and and you as long as all your you know we talked about earlier all your player values add up to the total budgets you're going to get a point where there will be value in the draft and you will recoup it it's just don't panic i think the key thing i can take out of all of this is in an auction draft you need to react you need to act accordingly but you can't panic and I think that's the panic, that one yeah,
1: as soon as you panic, that is the end of your draft because you'll make some quick decisions that probably aren't the best and the big thing about auction drafts is once you're out of the draft, the draft doesn't really mean much, and I think that is a huge thing people tend to miss like in um in snake drafts, you tend to have the oh, but I took him at the 305 and your pick was the 307 or, or something along those lines and I wouldn't do a one-for-one one trade. And to me, once I get out of an auction draft, it doesn't really matter how much I spent on a player because so long as it's not massively apart. because to me, someone that is nominated within the first 12 um, nominations and then goes for, say, $50 and then someone that goes three, four round of nominations later and goes for $50, they speak two different stories to me. It's not necessarily a 305 and a 307 or or whatever that snake draft equivalent would be. I think in auctions, with the round of nominations going on and on and on, I think that that's where two different stories form and you either get an underpay or an overpay somewhere. But once you get out of that draft, it becomes player values. It doesn't become um, what you necessarily spent during that draft. So, Rich, one thing that we've kind of hinted at, but I wanted to talk about a little bit more, is how do you adjust? So you've mentioned your over-under, your plus-and-minus column that you've got in your um, spreadsheet but it's fine having that information and saying, OK, someone spent 10% more on Patrick Mahomes. But how do you use that information on, say, Joe Burrow when he comes up on the on, on the nomination block? Do you immediately adjust or do you wait for a bit more of a data set? How do you
0: adjust to that information that you gain? So for, for me... The true answer is I don't, because I trust my player values and and I know that I've, I've got them worked out and I, I rely on that, so I'm fine with that. If I didn't have that, this is where going back to the tiered system works, is that you know if you were to say there is a tier of, let's say, for argument's sake, six elite quarterbacks, okay? If you know Patrick Mahomes has gone for $50, then you need to know that roughly the other quarterbacks that you have in that tier... Are going to go for a similar value okay now the key thing is is that what you don't want to be is you don't want to be bidding on the last player in that tier because you normally find that that is where those players you know if, if it's the last elite quarterback one suddenly they'll probably go for more than any of the others because you've got multiple people scrambling to get one of those elite quarterbacks so the way i adjust is that I would suggest as soon as a player in that tier goes for a value, if your value that you've assigned to those players in the same tier doesn't match anywhere near what that first player has gone for, chances are you're probably not winning anybody else in that tier. So you've got two options. You either adjust your player values, adjust your budgets accordingly, or you accept that and move on to the next tier and and adjust your budgets according to that. Because if you've only budgeted $30 for your QB1, and Mahomes goes for $50, then Josh Allen goes for $50, then Justin Herbert goes for $50, chances are you're not going to be getting Joe Burrow or Lamar Jackson or Kyler for $30. They're probably going to go for mid-40s to $50. So you need to accept that and re-account accordingly it could be that you adjust your budget and you say actually I want one of these elite guys I'm going to spend $50 and you go and get the next guy that comes available but you need to be able to kind of as we talked earlier find that money from another position on your roster spot to assign to that player
1: yeah I think that's a very important thing is you need to make that decision and that decision especially in a live auction draft needs to be a very snap decision of do I want to go for one of these elite assets to so say like Joe Burrow, Or do I want to kind of hold out and because these elite assets are going now, I will have that money that I could have spent on an elite asset to go and get two maybe middling assets instead? And especially in live auctions, that needs to be a snap decision. So um you really need to figure out very quickly what you want to do. And always have a think this kind of goes back to the prep situation is kind of have a think about what you're going to be comfortable with because um what you don't want to do is in the middle of especially in a live draft where um all those players all the numbers are flying around your head what you don't want to do is make a decision and then immediately regret it because then that's going to play on your mind rather than how to fix it now personally as i said i don't really move away from getting a getting two of the middling guys um unless i can get a value elsewhere but you really need to have kind of a think before even if it's just a very short conversation with yourself of do i like my roster when it looks like a or b and if i can get the value for a even though i may not like it as much do i want to do that And kind of have in your mind already, if you get a Joe Burrow, are you looking at a Kenny Pickett and Mac Jones? Like, who are you targeting to pair up with that asset that you get, for, for example, Joe Burrow? And vice versa, if you pivot away, you kind of need to know what you want to look at, roughly. I'm not saying that you have to go and get those players at all costs. I'm just saying... You need to kind of think about making sure that that is who you want to go and get um so you don't pivot and then have no idea what you're pivoting to after that guy um rich is there anything else that you want to, a lot of numbers for people and a lot of theory behind auction drafts i'm sure that we could both talk about this topic for hours because there's so many intricacies uh and that only experience kind of plays on
0: Um, but is there anything else that you wanted to cover no not at all i think you know hopefully it's a slightly different podcast for us hopefully it was a wasn't too dry and people were able to follow along um i think look if if you've never done an auction draft before i would highly recommend you get involved in one Um, I'll be honest, we've just finished one and having this conversation makes me want to go and join another one. So, uh, yeah, maybe if, if you're thinking about wanting to join an auction league, maybe uh, drop me a DM and I'm, I'm sure I can be persuaded at starting one. Um, I think it's a far superior, it is incredible format. And I think if you've never done it, I would highly recommend you start, try it, because it is, for me, the way forward, certainly. Liam, um, before we leave, we have got um, the FFCC giveaway. So, there's only a few spots remaining in, in the five-yard charity knockout tournament that is incredibly fun and incredibly unique. Um, so very simple. If you want one of the last couple of remaining spots, all you need to do is drop a DM to the Five Yard Dynasty um, Twitter handle, literally saying FFCC giveaway um, or you know just saying you're interested in the spot or whatever, and then we will have a draw. Um Next week's show, I think, Liam. Are we saying? Um, so Murph
1: needs to know the name by the end of June. So that is actually in a few days' time. Um, so get that get that DM over to us ASAP. Um, if you are listening to this it's before the deadline, um, Murph has told me that the this spot will be in the same division as BJ Ruddle of Pro Football Network and Kyle Yates, formerly of uh, Fancy Pros, and he's got his own playbook now. So if you want to play against those
0: two, um, drop us a DM. Let's let's do a deadline then, Liam. We will say 9pm on Wednesday the 29th is the deadline to drop us a DM by.
1: So if you're listening to this the day that it goes out in podcast form, us yeah, a DM, and you could be playing against one of those two, or both of those in your division, and maybe even have your first match up against them. Um, but Rich, you're about to say something then. No, I was gonna
0: say, if you got a dynasty uh, tip for us? We've not got a guest, so I'll, I'll hand it over to you. Yeah, so the dynasty tip for this week, Um,
1: looking back, we could, could have probably made this um auction related, but uh, the one that we did settle on, Rich was if you have a future pick so a 2023 2024 first whatever it could be it doesn't necessarily mean you have to use that pick on a selection so just because you trade for a 2023 first doesn't mean you have to pick whoever is coming out in the um 2023 class you could use that pick in a further trade to make mm-hmm. another trade to get a, a top asset for example so yeah that's the dynasty tip for this week, Rich. Um, I know that you're a big fan. That you always say that you don't see it as a player until the draft. So um that's it for this week. As we said, UKFFCC is and um, UKFFC is not long away. So if you want to check that out, it's at underscore UKFFC and the FFCC giveaway. Too many F's and too many C's, Rich, but um that giveaway all you have to do is drop us a dm on the at five yard dynasty um twitter account and we'll get you entered into that draw by was it 9 p.m the 29th of june bst rich is that what the deadline was yeah perfect absolutely so make sure you get take a look at those get involved if you do want to and until next nation we'll see you then enjoy yourselves